0: One thing I'm going to say is this. Today we're going to baptize Jordan. But I'll tell you what, there is no rule against you going home with a wet car seat because you didn't plan on getting baptized. <laughs> so when that time comes, if you feel that that is you, don't hesitate. Today I wanted to talk about something that I had read Bothered me. It was a professor of theology at a large university, and he had written a piece about how the writer of Daniel probably got it wrong. He had written that the lion's den probably wasn't real lions, that it was symbolism. And I'm thinking, this guy's a professor of theology. And it made me angry. And so I started digging in and I started studying. And so I want to ask a question today. What's the deal with integrity? What is the deal? We talk about integrity. We throw this word around. But what does it really mean when it comes to your walk with God? At this church, we have a value statement. It is, we will protect the reputation of God and this family by living with integrity. I want to live in a way that protects my witness in Jesus Christ and protects the integrity of this house. The book of Daniel is a case study on integrity. When you talk about integrity, there's another word that you're always going to see when it's true integrity. Do you know what that word is? It's consistency. Integrity and consistency will go hand in hand. When you walk those two things out in your daily life, you are going to see the glory of God bust out in places that you never even thought possible. But here's the truth. Integrity will not happen accidentally. You don't just stumble upon integrity. Integrity won't happen when I just sit down and wait for it to drift by. Integrity is something that I have to go after. It requires a stand. And the book of Daniel teaches me it requires a stand and then another, and another, and another. And one of the beautiful things about this is the way that God stretches us when it comes to integrity. Daniel in the lion's den. Love that picture. Don't know that the lions were that beautiful in this den. Those are like Mufasa-like lions going on. I'd have to think that they were a little more scroungy, a little more scary, a little less cuddly. This one looks cuddly over here. He's like purring. (laughs) We think of that as Daniel's stand, right? Like we see that and we think, wow. Could it be a mistake to think that that was his one stand? Don't you wonder that after he did that, if people were looking at him and being like, okay, the guy who didn't get eaten, what's next? What's next? And I say that because you walk through this life wondering, was that my stand? And the whole world around you is looking and saying, what's next? How are they going to walk? What's next? After I ask Jesus Christ to come in my heart, there's one word, one word that goes right above me, and it's witness. Not like 2016 calves witness, but witness in the sense of how am I going to represent Jesus Christ by being the man that I say that he made me. Integrity means to stand fast. Despite the pressure to cave in to worldly things. We read in Daniel, the first chapter, verses 8 through 16, one of the first tests that come along. And with this test, you have these young men that had been carried away. You have these young men whose names had been changed from something godly to something the opposite of godly. They were being placed where they could be indoctrinated and changed. Even in small ways. And so Daniel steps up because they've been told, You're gonna eat this food. Here's your menu. Now, here's the thing it wasn't prisoner gruel, it was probably some of the best food that you could get. But integrity shows up. And so it says here that Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. Nor with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he requested to the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Now, can't you just hear it now when they're sitting around? And you can imagine this food. We just had a wedding the other night, and they're bringing the food out. Great presentation. Don't know if you had those little tomatoes, those things changed my life. They're good. But can you imagine when everything's going well and Daniel doing this and the first thought for a lot of people was like, why you got to bring God into this? That's how integrity is going to work. Integrity is going to be something that it's going to just be this little voice that it may be okay for 99 people, but it's not okay for you. Open your mouth. Speak up. And so when Daniel speaks up in this place, you can imagine people looking, being like, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with this prime rib, really. It's cooked great. There's nothing wrong. But the Daniels in the house realize that their relationship with God touches every part of their life. If you have that kind of calling to step up and to be different than everyone else, then you know that your path is not going to be like everyone else's path. Integrity, here's the truth about it, it's going to reveal whom or what you really fear. Because when Daniel steps up, the very next verses, this chief or prince in some versions of the eunuchs says to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who's appointed the food and drink. He's scared, because back then you didn't just get a letter in your file or demoted. You got beheaded, or lions done. I, that happens. And so in this case, he's fearful of what may happen. He's fearful that if he didn't take care of these boys, that he would be punished, then you would endanger my head before the king, he says. Whom you truly fear or respect will determine how far you're willing to go when it comes to integrity. When I operate like just me, I fear man. When I operate as God's man, I fear God. So Daniel said to the steward, of the chief of the eunuchs that were set over him and the three Hebrew children. Please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. See, integrity isn't just for laughs. It's playing for keeps. The integrity he was stepping into was going to leave a mark. Because when he said, test it, in other words, he was putting his life on the line by stepping out there. He wasn't just saying, let's just eat something different. It wasn't just like when we're going to go and we're like, instead of TJ's, let's go to the Cheesecake Factory. No, it was going to be something that was going to change the course. Because if they didn't look well, then they could be punished. Are you willing to step into places where you write that check in faith in saying, I'm stepping there? I'm stepping there. And then you let God determine the outcome. Because that's what integrity will do. So the man consented with them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. Now, there are times when people are not going to step up and be like, well, good for you, Tommy, stepping up in integrity. I'm with you. I'm on your team. There may be times that the world's like, okay, big guy, let's see how this goes. That's how it may seem for a Christian. You may take your stand, and the world may pull up a chair and be like, Let's watch the implosion. Are you going to stay the course? Are you willing to say, My God will sustain me? I'm not going to take it back. I'm not going to regret it. I'm going to stay the course. If I have the faith to talk it, do I have the faith to see it through? He didn't want to be defiled. That word defile, when you look it up, when you study it, it means to pollute or to stain. The best way to paint this picture is this. There was this little restaurant, and it was called Potpourri in Mentor. Any of you remember this? Potpourri, I mean, the place was right out of the 70s. It looked like somewhere that, like, the threes Company cast would hang out. It was, like, old school. And you would go in there and a fondue restaurant. I don't know if you know what fondue is, but pretty much, you know, it's just a... a burner like most kids have, like a single burner thing in a dorm room, and they'd put a pot of oil on it, and then they'd charge you like 50 bucks to cook your own food. (laughs) It's very romantic. (laughs) And the thing with this, though, which we came to realize, when we would go there, it was great, but when we got home, we'd be sitting at home, and I'd be like, Dina, You smell like beef. (laughs) Very romantic, right? And so we came to a point where we figured out when you go to Potpourri, you're going to have to, I mean, we would like put clothes in garbage bags and put them out in the garage and stuff because it was just in you. But here's the thing that it taught me. It taught me that what I did outside of my home could change the atmosphere in my home. It taught me that the things that I would do, that sometimes I would come back and I would have an odor about me. And integrity says, walk in a way that you smell like Jesus. Walk in a way where you're not like, what's that? Because I'm telling you, your odor may not say it, but your countenance may sometimes when you enter a place. Integrity reject compromise it tells me to reject compromise not even to get comfortable with it not even to entertain it in Daniel three twelve, here was another thing that they found themselves in back then they would do some strange things let's build a huge idol and then let's get all the musicians and let's gather everybody together and then when we play the music everybody bow That is like a weird party game that they did. And so everybody's going to bow except four. And they give them another chance, and they won't bow. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Like, have you ever been somewhere where everybody stands up all at once? And you're sitting, and just that noise. Can you imagine everybody just going down on their knees at once? And you standing there and thinking, I'm going to see this through. And so people came and they said, these men, O king, they haven't paid due regard to you. They don't serve your gods or worship the gold image. Are you okay with wearing the label that you don't do what the world does? Are you okay with the lifestyle that goes along with that? Because it's not just a one-timer thing. Because God's going to say, step up again, step up again. Are you going to be used to that lifestyle? Are you going to be willing to be branded by the world and believers alike sometimes that you're different? When I was a young boy, Leroy, Ohio, second grade in the school, you know what every boy wanted to be? We wanted to be a cowboy. We wanted to wear pearl snap buttons, and we wanted to get cowboy boots. But you know what? Very few of those boys wanted to be strapped to the back of a bull and try to hold on for eight seconds. There's a major difference between putting on the boots and getting on the bull. And when it comes to integrity, it may seem scary at times. But are you willing to go there? One of the best examples of integrity in action, Psalm 1, the very first verse. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. There are places that I don't need to walk just to prove that I can keep my salvation. Seems like a new thing in the world. Well, I can walk and cuss and still love Jesus. I can walk in this and still love Jesus. You just put it in there. And the world isn't seeing Jesus, they're seeing compromise. They're seeing you taking your integrity like a doormat and just wiping your feet on it every time you do it. And they're not going to want what you have. Nor stands in the path of sinners. See, I'm just passing through. I'm not going to stop. I'm just passing through. I'm called to somewhere else. My father is going to call me home. I don't have time to stand around and look like the world. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. See, the other night at Paul and Sophie's wedding, there was a place for me at a table. Had my name on it. There was a dinner that I didn't know whether I got steak or chicken and kind of guessed, and I was right, but it was for me. The guy asked me, he's like, you get steak or chicken? And I'm like, buddy, I don't remember what I ate for breakfast, much less what I ordered two months ago in an RSVP, but I guessed right. There is a marriage supper of a lamb where you have a place at the table. No one can take that away from you. The next time that someone asks you, why are you bringing God into this, consider it an honor. They may say, that's not a place for this witness. Oh, but it is. Every place is. This isn't somewhere that you want to wear that integrity. No, 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 put that away. If it isn't about Jesus, I don't want to walk in it. I don't want to entertain it. I don't want to do it. Because all of those roads lead to bad places. Someone wise said to me a few weeks ago, I've seen the world and I don't want any part of that. That was awesome. That was quotable, if you will. A few weeks ago, Dina and I went for a walk when we were waiting to get our kids at the school. We went to the Chagrin Reservation and we walked for a while, and because we're old, we stopped and stood. And after a while, when we didn't stand long enough, we ended up sitting, sweating. We were just nasty mess. That's the way that this can work. See, where you walk, you will eventually stand. And where you walk, you will eventually sit down. And are the places that you're taking this witness places that you want to stop and rest? Are they places that you want to take that? Because there are places you don't want to go. Because at Chagrin Reservation, if you aren't paying attention real well, and you get off the normal walking trail, and you get on the bridle trail, there are what we call road apples. And you don't want any part of that. (laughs) Maybe you do. I don't know. Another way that I heard of those three terms of walking, standing, and sitting as detailed in Psalm 1 is thinking, behaving, and belonging. I don't want to think like the world, I don't want to behave like the world, and I sure don't want to belong to the world. Because I am called to something different. It says... That the man who is blessed, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. It doesn't mean that I'm so rule-bound that I have this spirit of religion where I'm unapproachable even by my brothers and sisters. It means that I know the sacrifice that was made for me, and I want to do things that make my Savior smile. That's what it means, and I delight in the fact that the more you do it, the easier it can become. Verse 3, he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. It brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Now, what's crazy about that is trees are not incredibly exciting. I mean, if, like, I could be anything growing up, right? I was going to be a cowboy. I was going to be a ninja. I was going to be all these different things. I never wanted to be a tree. But the wild thing is with trees, they bloom when God tells them to bloom. It amazes me every year when you get those warm days, cold days, and you go out to the park and just one day, like all the trees, just all at once, you see a little bit of green. That's how God's people are, that we hear things or we get a signal and we're like, it's time to bloom. It's time to put things forth. And other people, oh, the guy beside you, he may not be ready yet, but you are, but you are. But put those leaves out there. There are times that you walk and you feel like it's the weight of the world, and maybe it's just the weight of the fruit that is being put on for God's glory at times. And he's not going to leave you there forever, but he's going to bring forth all of the good things that he promised that he would bring. There is a tree in Edgewater Park, and it's a willow. I'm sure it has a name and it's written about all the time and it's known as the beloved tree in Cleveland it's planted really near the water if you've been around Cleveland in the winter you know how terrible this looks when the ice comes in and the wind blows and yet this tree has sustained there are places that you feel like it hasn't been fair that you have been planted There are places that you look around and you feel like you have no contemporaries. But God says, you are beloved. God said, you are in the place that I put you. God said, not everyone can handle the storms that would blow in the place that I put you, but I know that you can. Be who I've called you to be. There's another tree I read about, and it's called the General Sherman tree. 275 feet tall, some of you may have seen it. Jamie Culbertson, have you seen this? No, it's on your list, I bet. 275 feet tall in Sequoia National Forest. As you may know, there are wildfires that burn out there. Recently, they knew that the fires were getting near this great tree. And so an effort was made, and so what they did, they went and they wrapped this tree. They're saying the fire's not going to get it. When you grow where you're planted, when you are faithful to what God has called you to do, when you put down roots in that place, he's not going to let the fire burn you. He's not going to let you get consumed. He's going to ensure, and it didn't say that they made sure the fire couldn't get near. They can't control sometimes when the fire gets near. Life, there are going to be storms. There are going to be things that get close to us sometimes. But I know that God can sustain me. And that's my prayer for this group. In integrity, you will grow. In integrity, you will be known. You will be beloved, and God will look out for you. The ungodly are not like this, though. They're like the chaff that the wind drives away. One day <laughs> I had gone somewhere and I didn't know where the entrance was. So I wandered around this building, and of course you know when you do that, the last door you pick is the one you should have gone in, and it's usually the one you started five feet away from. And as I'm coming around the corner, there are people landscaping, and the guy had a backpack blower. And I didn't hear it. He must have just like started or whatever come around the corner and I just, I got like face full of just all the stuff that he was blowing off the sidewalk. And it wasn't fun. It wasn't pleasant. I wasn't like, oh, that was awesome, man. Hit me with that mulch again. I don't want to be around when the chaff gets blown away. I don't want to be the chaff. I don't want to be the thing that when everything else is beautiful, that's just blown to the side because God's doing beautiful things. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Going to close in a moment. The Lord knows that integrity can leave a mark, it isn't fun. To be the one that stands up sometimes. Can only imagine when they didn't stand up when the music played. Can you imagine them getting removed from that group? How embarrassing that had to be? Imagine how scared, I mean, they had to be a little bit scared, right? What's gonna happen next? They knew God would protect them, but not being dumb, no one really wants to be martyred because it hurts. There are things that are going to leave a mark, and God's going to call you to walk into those. But understand that it's going to be a path for others to follow. It says that it can be done again and again and again. That's the consistency. Finally, live in such a way that no charge can be brought against you. Do your best to live blameless. There was a mafia kingpin. His name was John Gotti. John Gotti was known as the Teflon Don. Not because he was blameless, but because his legal team could always seem to find a loophole and he would never be convicted. That's the world's way. The beauty of it is that when you come before accusation as a child of God, that God stands up and says, that one's with me. That one's covered. Oh, that charge against them, I've paid the price. I say that because in our hearts we say tomorrow, tomorrow. How many of you have ever tried to start a diet and like you're good for a day or two and then you just cave in? You're like three cheeseburgers and a hot fudge Sunday and you're done. You're out by Wednesday. And instead of starting up the next day, you say to yourself, I'm going to wait till Monday. You know you've done it. You don't have to raise your hands because I know that's what we do, right? Don't Wait until Monday. Start now. Start now doing the things that God has called you to. Take stock of where you are and the things he's whispering to you. And don't be like, yeah, that's not God. I don't receive that. Maybe it is. Take your stand. We're going to pray. After we pray, I'm going to go out with Jordan for a second going to talk. I want to say, though, before I do this, I I can't look at her because I'm going to cry, so just do this. I love how you're pursuing what God has for you. I love it. Met with her and left there just humbled. Humbled. Because it's amazing when someone begins just to share what God's doing. When you see that his plans are such great plans, it's inspiring. And so today, before we pray, I'm just going to say this. When we come up here, and Jordan may say a couple of things, she may not. That's her call. We don't believe that baptism saves someone. We believe that baptism is a witness to what God has done. If you know me, you know I'm not about the golf clap when somebody comes up out of that water. It's going to be an honor to be with you when we do this. I said to someone at the wedding, there are two favorite things in ministry. Oh, do I love when people come in the kingdom? You know it. But there are two things that when they happen every time I'm blown away. The first one happened two days ago. And it's when a groom sees his bride come down the aisle in that dress for the first time. I told Paul, I'm like, hold on, Paul, you're going to go to pieces, man. And sure enough, when he saw his beautiful bride clear that aisle coming down through there, I saw him. Every time it gets me. And it's such an honor to stand there and see it. To have a low seat for that. The second thing. is, See when Jordan. When we baptize her. By immersion in that tub. She's going to come up. But a split second before you see her. I'm going to see her. And if freedom. Had a look. It's when they come up out of that water. We're going to pray. If you'll stand. I've got to throw it down again though before I pray because I don't feel the green light on it. If you're here and you feel that you should be baptized, you can meet me in the hallway when I go out there with Jordan. That's how that needs to be. Let's pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, the name that is above any other name, right now I celebrate what God Does in the lives of those that he has called. And I thank you, Jesus, that in a couple of moments that we are just going to be surrounded by that feeling of freedom. All things new. And Lord, I pray as a body that we would chase integrity like never before. Not for show, but for you. And Father, I pray that you would show yourself strong again and again and again in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.